0: Welcome to the Stull Community of Faith podcast. May you be blessed as you listen to our Sunday scripture and message by Pastor Kyle Scheidemann. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 1, 29 through 42. In my Bible, it's John the Baptist proclaims Jesus as the Messiah. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen I have, and testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, "Look, the Lamb of God." When the two disciples heard him, they said this. they heard him say this. they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and followed and asked what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was all about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was the one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simeon and tell him, "We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ." And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, "You are Simeon, son of John. You will now be called Cephas, which then translated is Peter, the word of God for the people of God."
1: Be to God. I've enjoyed uh, reminiscing and talking to a few people this morning as I. I came and, and uh, trying to, you know, I'd like to, to get to know everyone. And one of the things I, we have in common, um, as, uh, as I was talking to Basita a little while ago about, uh, you know, being a student at Shawnee Heights. And we have a lot of them that are, are Shawnee Heights people here. And, and she, heard the, she heard what I love to hear. It's always a good day to be a T-Bird, right. <laughs> Always a good day. Now, I know you didn't all go. Abby was over, she was a charger on the Fe Trail, but I know Bailey and, and guys back here, and uh, we're all T-Birds, and what a wonderful experience. You know, I came from Western Kansas, and uh, T-Birds is pretty cool, but we were Beavers. Uh, Scott <laughs> City Beavers. And, uh, and one, of the cl- one of the things I enjoyed so much is I was in the journalism class. And we had our, our paper, uh, you know, like we have uh, what Shawnee, we had our paper was called beaver tails, you know, and, and if you remember, beavers have this big tail, you know, so, so we had a picture of a beaver with a tail. So we were beaver tails. And of course, I was on the, uh, the journalism staff and, and for the paper and also a photographer and writer for, the, for, our, um, for our yearbook. And I really enjoyed journalism. I, I, really, I really liked that and I thought you know wouldn't it have been fun to have gone a little bit further in my journalism. And think if I was back, if I would have been a, a, a newspaper reporter back in the first century I might have been able to work for say maybe it was the Pharisee Gazette, you know, <laughs> or, or the Sadducees recorder, one of those cool newspapers. And I would have asked the editor, would you please assign me, I want, I want to cover this, this really odd person. I, I want to cover this guy that I've heard of, called John the Baptist. And I think it would have been a really fun assignment. I mean this guy, in all the stories that I heard about John, he was, very, he was a very colorful, I think that's using the term model. was a very colorful individual. You know, he dressed in his own outrageous ways. Um, and so as a reporter, as a journalist, I could have done a story just on John's wardrobe alone. And then I could have done an analysis as to what made John dress the way he did. And then, of course, I heard that he has a really peculiar diet, too, and I could have written on that because he ate locusts and wild honey. So there would have been a whole nother story just on that. And, of course, the crowds. I've been hearing about all these people that have been going going to, to see him and how, against all odds, this strange guy started preaching in the wilderness and how the attendance grew from just a trickle to a torrent of people that were lining up to see this guy. And how the crowds included everyone from Russian soldiers to to the intelligent people of of the Jewish community. And then comes the shocker. As the crowds and as the enthusiasm mounted there was a question that grew. So, what office is John running for? (laughs) I mean, he must be a politician. Oh, well, we know he's at least a prophet, and, and there's just no doubt about him being a prophet. The people were hungry for a prophet. There hadn't been a real prophet for probably four centuries or more. And some already, they thought that maybe John was the greatest prophet since Elijah. And so they're wondering, what exactly does John have on his mind? What is he doing? I mean, he's building, he's building this following, and here's a group of passionate, excited people following him, but what is his purpose? John's answer was really a letdown. John said, as I'm, you know, be taking notes and interviewing, John said, my job is simply to make an introduction. I'm the MC. I'm not the story, but I am the introduction to the story. He said, the story is about the person that I am going to introduce. He said, I baptize people with water. But this, this is really small time stuff. I'm going to introduce a person that is going to baptize with fire. And I'm going to introduce him just as soon as he comes. Well, the day did come when John did what he said was his only job. He introduced the one that he had been waiting for. Jesus of Nazareth, a 30-year-old carpenter who was now ready to begin his teaching. John the Baptist had said that this was his only job, and that was to introduce Jesus. That everything in his ministry was aimed just to fulfill this one assignment. And since this was John's whole job, how did he do it? Well, basically, John did it with only two sentences. You see, one day, John the Baptist was out baptizing people. And I don't know how it was, but apparently he looked up and he saw Jesus coming toward him. He knew right who he was. And he said, oh my gosh. I want you all to see this man right over here, right there, that is the Lamb of God. He is the one who takes away the sin of the world. That was his opening sentence. And so John's audience was largely, largely a, made up of Jews. So they they would understand the illusion that might be a little confusing to the 21st century audience. A Lamb in those days was the most important feature of the most important holiday for the Jewish people. It was a symbol of their deliverance from the slavery of Egypt. And on on the night centuries before, when the Jewish people had to escape from slavery, each household took a lamb, they killed the lamb, they sprinkled its blood on the doorposts, and then they ate the lamb as their nourishment for their journey that was just ahead of them. And in the centuries since, the Jews had commemorated the night of freedom by a ceremony involving a sacrificial lamb. So now, in this introduction of Jesus, John was saying, here is God's lamb and he is going to take away the sins of the world. And it was a very astonishing introduction. John was saying essentially that the one he was introducing had come to the scene to die, to be a sacrifice. And further, he, was, he would die for, strategic, for a strategic singular person, and that was to take away sin, that was his purpose. And I don't think that sin was really a a paramount issue in the minds of John's audience. I suspect that the first century audience was was pretty much like the one in the 21st century. They were hoping to hear some good news about (coughs) economic security or or maybe full employment and and perhaps an end to the war. Or in those days, more specifically, the end of the occupation by Romans by the Roman army. John's audience knew that there was such a thing as sin. No doubt, they probably knew it better than than we do because they didn't have so many synonyms for sin. And there was no doubt, they were no doubt sensitive people in John's audience who realized that the root problem in, in their lives was sin. But most likely the people in the first century audience were probably just like you and I, just like the people of t- today. They really didn't worry too much about sin, except when they were the victim, maybe, of, of somebody else's sin, or perhaps they might have even seen in themselves a, some dramatic way about how, how their own conduct was destroying themselves, maybe other people but probably worst of all in John's introductory sentence was the closing word. Jesus was going to take away the sin from the world. That really wasn't a very big selling point for John's audience. They really weren't that worried about this big sprawling world. In fact the rest of the world was treating the Jews very badly. So it might have been easy for the first century Jewish audience to just let the world take care of itself. We need to worry about us. As long as they stopped making it hard on the Jews. But this was John's opening statement. Here before me is the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. And John continued by telling by his own experience, his witness, his testimony with Jesus. It's almost as though he was telling the crowd that he is as surprised as they are about this young teacher from Nazareth. And it's going to be the conclusion of his, of his mission. But he tells the people that when he baptized Jesus, There was a remarkable thing that happened. Now, this is is John telling people later on. This is his testimony. The Spirit of God descended upon Jesus in a very unique way. And then John added his concluding sentence. He said, I want to testify, John said, that this is the Son of Man. In John's opening sentence, there was a mystery. And this closing sentence was a thunderbolt. This man you have seen here in the crowds who was baptized by me, just as many of you have been. He is, in fact, the Son of God. Now, it's surprising, really, that somebody in John's crowd didn't shout him down. It's only of the great respect and awe that people had for John that prevented such a response. What John must have said must have really sounded like blasphemy. And besides, I have a feeling that the people had hardly noticed Jesus. How could he be the son of God? Let's go just a step deeper. This, if this is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and he is also the son of God, well then, what kind of God is this? And what does this all mean to people like you and, and me? I wonder if people in that first century crowd put their pieces together as they listened. Or perhaps they, maybe they traveled back home and there I wonder if they percolated on it and put the pieces together. And I wonder if you and I have put the pieces together on this Sunday as we look back on Advent and Christmas. And that is, if the Son of God is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, then there are several things that are true. For one, sin matters to God. Sin is a serious matter. All kinds of sin. The the horrendous deeds of child abuse that just horrify us. And the petty arrogance and half-lies and irritability that mark our days. You see, all of these sins matter to God. They're serious. They are so serious that God is involved in a desperate remedy. God has sent a lamb to die for these sins so that the power of sin can be broken. And that lamb is God's own son. And that means that God moves right into our problem. God doesn't deal with sin by sending pronouncements for action by a heavenly senate or a parliament, nor does God deal with sin by a lightning bolt of judgment. God moves right through the muck of sin, sending his son to be the sacrificial lamb who dies for sin. I have to tell you, there was a story about a medical doctor, and this was in a, a teaching university for med students. And they were making their rounds, um, in, this, in this medical school, and there was a the, the group of interns that were with them. And they went to a ward of welfare people, street people, uh, who were being cared for. And they came to a, to a bed of a man who had a horribly infected foot. And just looking at the sight of the, of the foot might have turned most of us away but the head doctor the the one that was leading the rounds he took the patient's foot and put it in his hand and he talked quietly to the patient in length about his condition and as they left the room and as they were walking down the hallway and they were gathered around to hear the teacher the doctor simply said always Touch the patient. And this is what John the Baptist was telling the people about God that God comes into the world's sick room by the way of His Son, Jesus Christ, and He takes a hold of that sin. The horrendous, the petty, and all of it that's ugly and ulcerating in its effect. And God, in Jesus Christ, He touches the patient, He touches you and me. So this is continuing good news from Christmas. It is good news for you and me as we look at some of the effects of sin in our own lives. And it is good news that we can share this with our friend and our neighbors who find life hard to manage. It is the good news of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin from the world. This Lamb of God who happens to be the very Son of God. This is the good news today. It is the way that John the Baptist introduced Jesus to the world. And I think if I would have been a reporter back in those days, it's how I would have told my story to you, the reader. Our oh, Heavenly Father coming to us with the Holy Spirit to, to reminisce how excited John the Baptist was when he introduced this carpenter from Nazareth as the Lamb of God. He said, behold, he is among you. My job is now finished. His job lies ahead, and it has for all these years, and will continue on. Praise be to God. Amen.